0: If you're close to somebody, hold hands with them. If you're not close to somebody, reach over and grab somebody. (laughs) Now look at the person to your left, to your right behind you, however it is, and say, He really does love us. (laughs) Now we're all in this together. All right? Because some of the things we're going to say today may not make it feel like I love you. (laughs) You can let go, unless you're just enjoying holding a person's hand. I mean, you can hold their hand. They don't care. Your spouse may feel weird about it, but, you know. (laughs) We've... (laughs) We have been in this series called Jesus and We. And what it is, is it's really our goal for 2020 of where we want to take Harvest Christian Fellowship. What we want to be. Last week, we talked about faith. But before we get to that one, let's go back and read the scriptures. This, these are based off of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. It says, and seek and inquire for and require and request the peace and welfare of the city to which I have carried you away to be captive. First time I read this scripture, Holy Spirit said to me, you'll never win a city if you don't love a city. And so many times we feel like what Jeremiah was feeling there. We feel prisoner in a city. I'm trapped here. Nothing ever happens here. This place is boring. This place is awful. Sorry if you've ever said this, or you're saying it now. When I turn 18, I'm out of here. (laughs) As soon as I get a better job, I'm gone. There's nothing happening because you don't love the city. A woman came to me one time, Stephen. She told me she 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 was part of the church I was in, and uh, I went and preached somewhere, and uh, the church was pretty run down. And she came to me, and she was crying. And I said, well, Lois, what's wrong? And she said, Pastor, nobody loves this church. We ever wonder if anybody really loves Cambridge? What she'd look like? What she would do? What she would clean up to be? She is a diamond in a rough, but I'm telling you, her days are getting glorious. Come on. Inquire for for the welfare of the city that I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray pray to the Lord for it for in the welfare of the city in which you live you will have welfare. So the amount of blessing of the city in which we live now if you live in another city, that's good we're going to pray for yours too but we're planted right here and in her welfare we'll find our welfare but there's only one way to just make this work and it's Nehemiah chapter 4 <coughs> verse 6 Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 says so we built the wall all of it was joined together to half of its height for the people had a what? and mind to work For the people, what does work mean? It doesn't mean out here striving to make God love you more or striving to make sure everything's great with God. No, it's working, doing the work of the ministry. It's doing the work of Jesus. Folks, how many of you know that you are his body? So his body should just be doing what he does. We've made this thing too hard. (laughs) Well, what do you mean we've made it too hard? Because we've taught people to... Now, touch that person's hand again. Say, this is one of them. We've taught everybody to weep and wail and cry and moan and beg and push in and push in and press in and press in. in. Let go, let go. Make it hard. Make it work. Make it. You've got to get closer to God. Get closer to God. Get closer to God. What does the Bible call us? We are the what of Christ? Body. How can you get closer to God than being his body? You're already in. Glory to God. That's good stuff. You're already in. You're not trying to get in. He put you in. You are his body. How much, close, how, how much closer to my hand being to me than just being part of my body? Doing what it's supposed to do. How much closer can you be to God? Just do what you're called to do. It's not getting God to love you. It's just being who he created you to be. Oh, my. I'm trying to get, not get it too excited. Last week we made this declaration over ourselves, of who we're gonna be, and I don't know if Reese still has it up there. That's this week's Reese. Last week, we are faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm risk takers. We will never insult God with small thinking, or safe living. That's who we got to be: faith-filled, big thinkers, bet to farm risk-takers. And we aren't going to insult God by small thinking and safe living. We're not going to play it safe anymore. We're not going to think small anymore. God is saying, "Well, we're just this little tiny church on a hill. Well, one will put a thousand to flight. Two will put ten thousand to flight. I've got more than two in here." <laughs> Y'all quiet this morning? So, today, confession I want you to make over yourself is this one. We are spiritual contributors. Everybody say that. Not spiritual consumers. (laughs) The church does not exist for us, we are the church. We exist for the world. world. Now, some of you need to take that to heart. The church does not exist for you. You are the church. And you exist for the world. And so what we're going to look at today is the difference between spiritual contributors and spiritual consumers. Because a lot of the time, in most churches that we have, we are spiritual consumers. All right, we have forgotten that the Great Commission was never about us. It's for those who haven't awakened to this glorious salvation, this glorious salvation that's already done, settled, paid for, and we just got to wake them up to it. Amen? Amen. What's the word say? That the enemy has what? Blinded their minds, blinded their eyes. See, what we've we've got to, now folks, I'm not going to preach long to you today because you'll probably run me out on a rail. What we've come to, guys, in the church is that we have developed churches that worship themselves. And they don't worship God. They worship their programs because the programs could be bigger than God to them. How many of you know when a program's done and it's not effective anymore, you need to cut it off? And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're you're a spiritual consumer, that's going to bother you. Well, that's the way we've always done it. It's never been done like that before. We've developed a church that worships itself in programs. How about this one? Worships its building. And they really don't care if anybody else likes it or not. I tell you, I told Dee this morning, I am going to preach things that other pastors wish they could preach. (laughs) April's coming. You can make a decision from there. (laughs) Jesus had an encounter with a woman at a well one day. And while he's sitting here and he's talking to this lady, she had come out to the well after everybody was gone because she was doing something in a way that shouldn't be done <laughs> and Jesus began to talk to her and what's interesting here is the disciples come up to Jesus and they don't say anything but they stand amazed this is the woman at the wheel and and he say why were they amazed because that's not what a good Jewish boy was supposed to be doing See, the Samaritans were the dogged people of the land. They actually, Jews would actually consider them and call them dogs. Half-breeds, mutts, that's what they called them. (coughs) Jewish people, for the most part, would go 12 miles out of their way to not go through this town. And when Jesus started out his journey, he says, I have to go through this town. He said, I must needs. I have to go to Samaria. Why? Because there was one person who was waiting for him to go out of his way, do something that no one else would do, be somebody that no one else would be to her. He would do it for one. What's our excuse? Ha <laughs> ha! And so they are, they're amazed at what he's doing. And, and, and after they talked to her, she was, whoa, you've told me everything about me. She goes and evangelizes the whole town. Don't tell me women don't evangelize. She goes and evangelize. come and see a man who told me. Now, just quick history. Can I throw you some history? Early church fathers believe this is probably, uh, her name began with a P. Do you remember it? She was actually later on in, in later writings named as an apostle. Was it Phoebe? It's something like that. This lady was actually named later as an apostle. We don't hear about her. All we hear is those you know, those famous 11. <laughs> they replaced Judas, but nobody remembers him. <laughs> but here's what happened. So they're amazed, and now I want to pick this story up in John 4, verse 31. And in the meantime, while she's off telling everybody, come see Jesus, come see Jesus, his disciples are getting concerned. And they said in the meantime his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat. They were worried about his flesh. Oh, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Hang on. And but he said to them I have food to eat that you don't know of. He said I'm full. Well, what filled Jesus up? Well, he gives us the look in the next verse. What filled Jesus up was, go ahead, Reese, to verse 33. Therefore his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Well, he says he's full. What's he eating? The next verse. Go ahead, Bub. And Jesus said to them, my food the thing that sustains me, the thing that will keep me going is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work or finish his work. See, his disciples were worried about his flesh. Jesus said, the thing that brings me nourishment, the thing that satisfies me is when I'm doing the will of my father. What he told them is I just got filled up by pouring my life into someone else. See, we want God to fill the place, God fill the place, because we want to be full. Jesus says, you want to get full, then go out and start pouring your life out into the lives of those around you, and then they will go and do things. Mm. See, when he poured his life into her, it filled him up. Maybe we're addicted to the wrong stuff. Chocolate. Donuts. There's nothing like a good donut, my goodness. (laughs) Donald's Donuts in Zanesville. I'll drive there in the middle of the morning to go get one. (laughs) You got a better one, come and tell me about it. A devil dog. Anybody knows what a devil dog is? From Kennedy? See, we we, we are addicted to all these things. What happens if the church will get addicted to changing the way people see God? I wonder how full we would be because it's obviously able to fill up on doing God's will. That's what nourished Jesus. Jesus said what nourished me. See, what were the disciples worried about? They were worried about his consumption. And that's what most of the church does today. We worry about our consumption. What do we have? What do we get? How are we going to do it? What are we going to get out of this? (laughs) How many of you know humanity has a tendency to be selfish? You don't have to teach people to be selfish. There's not a day coming when you're going to grab Lily and say, Listen, I'm I'm going to teach you something. This is yours, and you don't let nobody take it. And when somebody takes it, you got to kick, and you scream, and you yell. And and when your friends want to play with it, you walk over and you bop them on the end of the nose, and you tell them, no, this is mine. You can't touch it. It's always been mine. It's always going to be mine. You can't have it. Sounds like a church, don't it? You don't have to teach a kid to do that. They will do it naturally. Adults will do it naturally. Because we're selfish by nature. how does it affect me? Does it fit into my needs, to my wants, or to my schedule? Jesus' message is I have a higher calling, and that is to pour myself out into the lives of others. And all of a sudden, I find fulfillment in that. But that's not what we want. And so that's what we're going to look at. A consumer-based church versus a contributor-based church. That's good. That's good, I'm telling you. Our, our whole culture is consumer-based. When I was little, it was to all beef patties. Go ahead. Pickles, onions, sesame seed bun. And then there was this other one that came out that said, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special order. See, what were they doing? They said, well, we're going to give you what you want. And so that's a Burger King commercial. Pierce, you might not have known that. So now their phrase is what? Your way, right away. And that's what we've done in the church. That same mentality has crept into the church where it's my way, it's how I want it and, and if you don't give it to me hmm. see we've become consumer minded in the church and the church was never supposed to be consum- folks do you realize this building is not a church if we decide not to meet here tomorrow they can put a bar in here next week and have all the stuff they want you're the church we do meet here this is where the church meets. <laughs> but it's funny, we've, we've, we've turned this around. We're consumer-minded, how do you know? But wait, there's more. <laughs> Only for a small fee. You can have it. Sydney was little. She should have never looked at me. She would get so mad because everything on TV said you had to be 18 years old to order she wanted to be eighteen, she didn't want to leave the house she knew a good thing when she had it she just wanted to be able to order stuff off TV why, because it dealt to her consumer mindset (laughs) that's what we've done in the church we've dealt to consumer mindset, it's all about me it's all how I want it, it's all how I like it and I don't want change, I don't I tell you what, you put too much on me, and I'll change my name to I'ma. I'ma be mad. How you doing? That's what we do. I'ma be mad. You make too much changes. You do things that I don't like. You go there. You do this. This is the mentality of the church now. I'm just going to be mad. So, what is a spiritual consumer? Are you ready? You ain't going to get much more scripture today. A spiritual consumer is someone who comes in, they enjoy the service, they have a good time letting Ron pick out great worship music, we're having a good time, it's reaching our spirits, and they go and they sit down and they give nothing back. So just quiet. Spiritual consumers are the ones whose children and grandchildren are over there being ministered right now to... But they're not involved anywhere. Smile. If you had to fake it, smile. (laughs) They're not involved anywhere. Come in, they sit down, enjoy the seats they didn't buy. Drink the coffee they didn't make. (laughs) Is this okay? I got a board member over going. Drink coffee they didn't make. Come in and sit in a nice comfortable seat. Glad the heat's on. Glad the air's on. Enjoy all these great things and never tithe and never give. Five, four. Sometimes you just gotta let things settle. Three, two. They enjoy all this stuff, but they don't wanna tithe and they don't wanna give. <laughs> well, wait a minute now. I live on a fixed income. God didn't say for you to write the six-figure check if you can't do it yet, but spiritual consumers, they take for granted that somebody's fixing coffee and somebody's got the heat going too high, by the way, just, you know, they got the air going, The, the lights look pretty Reese, I'm glad you're here to do it, but you know, don't ask me to get involved. Bob, what time I got to be here to fix coffee? Eight o'clock. Ha, <laughs> no. Consumers. What does a consumer-minded church look like? These, what I'm getting ready to give you are about five things that happen in spiritual consumer churches. All right? Everybody smile, even if you have to fake it. Five things that happen in spiritual commu- consumer churches. The first one... Is worship wars. This is the biggest one. It's too loud. It's too quiet. It's too soft. I want hymns. I want this. I want that. And if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> it's when one, careful, <laughs> it's when one or more factions in the church get together and they decide how they want it, and if leadership or anybody else doesn't go that way, well, I'd be bad. It used to be people just go home and grab a telephone and start talking on the phone, Kevin. Now it's Facebook. (laughs) And the order of service has to be the same every week. And if the order of service ain't the same, I'ma be mad. And if somebody lets their cell phone ring, answer it. I'll talk to them. I love it. (laughs) Y'all, seriously, that doesn't bother me. I'm not freaked out over that. When the order of service changes, if if I don't like the way it changes, I'm going to be mad. Anybody ever been in churches like this? Keep your hands down. Nobody knows I'm talking about you. The next thing that happens, we have worship wars, then we have decor wars. I've seen more fights over color of carpet, color of walls. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. This is the way we've always had it. It looks like it should have been changed 20 years ago, 15 years ago. But no, it can't happen because this is the way we like it. Uh, 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 Nope, can't do it. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to let him grab your tongue because I want to go somewhere, and he said no. See, what happens is our church facility, is this okay? Sometimes our church facilities take on iconic status. I like the way it looks. Okay. I'm just going to use our church, for instance since we're here. This probably was absolutely top of the line in 99. And it ain't been changed since and it ain't gonna change or. Thank you. I'ma be mad. But it's been prophesied. Decoration has nothing to do with prophecy. (laughs) They may want to interview you. (laughs) Come on, we've gotten so wrapped up in the silliest, goofiest stuff and it has held us back. (laughs) We have put too much emotion with too much attachment on paint color, carpet color, wall color, Amen. rather than coming in and enjoying God's presence. If the color on these walls or the stage ha- stops you from getting into God's presence, you got issues. Amen. I'm glad you're here. I told, Dee, I told Dee the other day, I love it when you're here. She just sits and smiles. I preach to her a lot when she's here. We put too much time, so okay. So we got worship wars. We've got decor wars. Now, how many of you know you can have these in one church? We can't win the world because we can't win the battle inside of our own buildings. Maybe we need to repent. Then you have budget wars. When all of the focus is just on existing and maintaining and there's never saying, let's go beyond. Let's, let's, let's try to stretch ourselves greater than we've ever been. Let's try to believe for more than what came in last year. See, when we fall into this mindset where all we want to do is exist, nothing will change. Try it over here. When we get into this place where we can't we all we want to do is maintain nothing will change and no one will be one because they don't want to come in because they know you're not willing to put out. Okay? That's why there's a truck sitting over there right now that we're looking to buy. Well, how are we gonna buy it? It's gonna be God. And if it's not that one, it'll be another one. Well, can you really afford it? I thought he did. <laughs> In case you're missing that, don't he own the cattle on a thousand hills? I thought so. So when when, <laughs> when money is just used to exist and not to reach out, we're at war. Here, here's, here's another one. Everybody ready? Touch the person next to you. Say, this is one of them. (laughs) Well, they don't spend my tithes away. I think they should spend my tithes. So I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Your tithes don't belong to you. They belong to God. And when you release them, you give up say... well then I just won't do it then I have to go back to Malachi chapter 3 will a man rob God God how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings well I'll just put my tithes where I want it except for the fact he said bring the tithes into the storehouse what's a storehouse a storehouse is where you have your needs met it's the ones you call when somebody's sick it's the one who marries your baby or buries your grandpa. It's the one who will put up with you in the middle of the night when you're hysterical because your kid took off and you can't find them. I told you this is probably going to be <laughs> storehouse. store. Well, I don't think they spend it right. That's not up to you. I'm going to read you a quote here in a little bit. It's going to just wreck you. Then we got worship wars. Y'all okay? I told you I had to have you hold hands. We're in this together. You can all come against me. It's all right. I can handle it. We got worship wars. We got decor wars. We've got budget wars. Then we got entitlement wars. Then we got entitled, what's an entitlement war? I've been here from day one. Treat me right. How many of you know honor is a great thing and honor should be given to everyone but honor is never demanded. <laughs> well, I don't, need the need for, I don't see the need for change So I'm going to fight it, because I've been here longer than you. And I have changed my name to, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Well, I should be treated different than so-and-so. I've been here longer. They just walked in the door. Why are they getting to take a position? It's funny, everybody wants a position when they see someone filling one. But they didn't want it before somebody stepped into it. (laughs) Breathe, it's okay. (laughs) Well, why are, let me tell you something. As a pastor coming into places, and I've been to a few now, you you know one of the biggest battles that we fight, Ted, Gary, it's ghosts—ghosts ghosts of members past, ghosts of pastors past, ghosts of programs past, ghosts of bus drivers past. <laughs> well, that's not the way we do it. Well, folks, there's nothing wrong with change because this place doesn't exist for you. First and foremost, you're the church. You exist for the world. This place exists for you to bring them into fellowship with the rest of the church. Don't. It's all good. If you ever get a chance, there's a man named Tom Rainier. He wrote a book called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. (laughs) It will open your eyes about church. He makes this statement God did not lead us to churches to become social club, country clubs, where membership means we have privileges and perks. He placed us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give. The strange thing about being a part of a church is that you actually give up your preferences when you join. He goes on to say, don't get me wrong, there may be much about your church that you like a lot, but you are there to meet the needs of others. You are there to serve others. You are there to give. That's why you're here at Harvest Christian Fellowship today is to realize this thing's not about us. This building's not about us. It's not about our preferences. It's not about what we like. It's what we can do better to reach a world that is ever-changing and for that, the most part, don't like church. So we are subject to change. Had a friend of mine had a punk band and that was the name of their band. They had went through so many names. They finally said, well, forget it. I'm just going to name it Subject to Change because it might be different next week. <laughs> How many of you know our identity is not even found in the name Harvest Christian Fellowship? Let's just be realistic. Most of the people today that are non-church has no idea what Christian fellowship even means. You're talking about changing the name of the church. Don't run out here and say that. I didn't say that. But it might not be a bad thing to become something new. Oh, rug. You exist for the church. You exist for the world. You are the church. Romans chapter 12. This is just a, folks, this is just a meeting place. This is just a meeting place of the church. This ain't your home. This is not your home. It's my home church. And this is your church family. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. I'm reading out of the Amplified. He said, For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs and members. All of these parts do not have the same function. We are so numerous as we are We are one body in Christ, the Messiah. And individually, we are parts of one another. Mutually dependent on one another. So what should Harvest Christian Fellowship look like? It should look like you doing your job. You doing yours. You doing yours. Just like somebody came up to me right before we started this and said, I've always... Tried to go out and visit and minister to people at the hospitals and and do things like that. Will you send me names? Yeah, I'll send you names. Because when he's going and doing it, guess who doesn't? Well, that's your job. That's what you get paid for. You need to go back and find out what Scripture says. (laughs) I'll be there for you. Trust me. I'll go see you. I'll make your phone calls. I'll change the date on your ministry day. But folks, the body is not about me doing everything. I'm not the body. We are the church. And in that, it's we are all individually parts of one another. See, when somebody goes and starts visiting people at the hospital on behalf of Harvest Christian Fellowship, they are a part and extension of me. And they're a part and an extension of you. And they're a part and an extension of you. We are part of the same body doing multiple things because sometimes you need to find your lane and stick in it. (laughs) Well, I just can't be at everything. Don't. Well, I feel guilty if I'm not at everything. Don't. I free you. I free you to find the thing that set you off and chase hard after it. Go get it. Let's do it. Because there's a place, a bunch of people out there still don't know that God loves them more than they have ever imagined in their life. There's a place out there that still doesn't know that God's not mad at them, that God's not judging them. What do you mean, God's not judging them? Well, John chapter 12, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of the world. That's what the cross was for. I know that one gets a little, that one, that's that pin drop. That's what the cross was for. So, what's harvest going to look like? It's going to look like babies running. harvest is going to look like verse 6 verse 6 says having gifts, faculties talents and qualities that differ according to the grace that is given us let us use them you're not called to preach don't try (laughs) if you can't hold a tune in a bucket stay back here okay from the top of your lungs as off note as you can let it ring but know your talent know your gifts and let's use them Harvest Christian Fellowship is going to look like a bunch of people who know who they are know what they're called to do know what they can do and we're going to do it and we don't have to wait on somebody else to lay hands on you and to set you out I don't have to anoint, this is good stuff, I don't have to anoint my liver to tell it to do its job. I don't get up every morning, liver, I speak to you, and if I had a a liver disease, I'd speak to it. But I, I got up this morning, I didn't think nothing about it. I didn't speak to my liver. It just done its job. Imagine that. What if the body of Christ would do the same thing? Well, I just want you to lay hands on me, anoint me, and send me out. I understand. There is scriptural reference for that, and there is a place for that. But what if you just do what you're naturally called to do? What if we just did it, and we won the world? Well, what if the church don't grow? We're going to trust God for the building. hey. This building's paid off. We can put generators out back, crank them, and buy gas. We ain't going nowhere. So why don't we just do the job God's called us to do? What is your part? I don't know that. Don't come to me with this big, giant resume. These are all the things I've done in the church. Okay, great. You've done a lot in the church, but what's the one thing that passionately drove you? What is the things you said, man, if I could do this the rest of my life, I would do this one thing. Maybe it's changing a light bulb. How can I be passionate about changing a light bulb? The lady I started out this thing with and told you about nobody loved this church, Sydney, did you ever see our church in bad shape? You don't remember, you were three years old then. Let me tell you something. The church was spotless all the time. She'd come to me and say, hey, I want to change the decoration in the men's room. Well, what do you want it to look like? Well, I thought about this. Well, go for it. Well, why? Because it was what she was passionate about. And if I said, oh, gosh, no, she went, okay, I'll find the next theme." She knew her lane. The other thing she liked to do was cook for me. She lived three doors down from the church, Ted, I had lunch all the time. And if she didn't ever bring me lunch, she, just, she knew I'd just go down to her house. That was her passion. You mean that can be a passion? To cook for pastor? I will anoint you for that. <laughs> Come up here, I got, I'll find, if I can't get oil, will you sweat, we'll, we'll anoint you with something. See, we think that the, 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 our spiritual passions have to be, oh, I want to sing like Bob. I want to preach like Ted. But maybe that's really not what your passion is. Maybe your passion, I, I want to brag on one of our people right now, is re, like Renee. And I know Renee has a bunch of other passions. But you know what? This is how God works. Renee came to Lori and said, do you do cards? Lori does all of our cards. Anybody sick? Has you ever gotten a card? It came from Lori. Brought it in. I signed it. She, I don't. I don't even know anymore. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't even know who's sick. She told me today something happened about with one of our churchmen. Well, I didn't know this. I hadn't heard. See, I can't do it all, folks. And so Renee came to Lori and said, "I make cards." Well, what's that got to do with spiritual? How many of her cards have already went out to people? Well, that's that's nothing. If it's not, we would have had to go buy it. So then you know what happens? Harvest truck runs, and in comes all this card stock. What are we going to do with all this card stock? We're going to give it to Renee. (laughs) What is a passion? What is the thing? It doesn't have to be preached. It doesn't have to be all the things you think are spiritual. But it takes her to make a card. It takes her to find out who needs it. And I always sign it, Pastor Brent and your HCF family. That is an extension of you. You sent a card to Brenda back here when she was sick, and you didn't even know it. We are all parts of each other. This is what a contributor church looks like. When everybody finds that thing. Go to Philippians, last scripture I told you, I'm not going to get a lot of scripture today. I don't know how long I've been. Philippians chapter 2. Reading out of the message translation verses 1 through 4. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, If his love has made any difference in your life. If being in a community, that's all we are, of the spirit means anything to you. If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, he writes. Agree with each other. This is what we'll look like. Agree with each other. Well, I'm a negative person. Didn't agree to be quiet. <laughs> well, you didn't pick the... I just saw those nomination cards. You didn't pick the person I nominated. I'm going to change my name. <laughs> but I know... If being in a community of the Spirit means anything, if you have a heart, if you care, do me a favor, agree with each other. What if I don't agree? Then be agreeable. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Love each other. I'm telling you, this is what Harvest is going to start looking like. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. We may not connect on our likes and dislikes, may be totally opposite, but we can be deep-spirited friends because I can guarantee our spirits will connect. Be deep-spirited friends. Go ahead, Bubba. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Now, here it is. You ready? Everybody say, this is hard. Okay. Put yourself aside put yourself aside and help others get ahead don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand this is what a contributor church looks like so folks I'm challenging harvest today to become Spiritual, let's read it again, Reese. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. Hopefully next week I'll make you shout make you laugh, roll on the floor, drunk like monkeys. <laughs> but we have to know where we're going and what we're going to look like. We're going to be people of big faith-filled, big thinking. Bet the farm, risk takers. We will not insult God with sm- safe, small thinking or safe living. And we're not going to be spiritual consumers. We're going to be spiritual contributors because you have a place to feel in this body. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, what you are in our life. Father, sometimes you just have to set us straight. Sometimes we've got to focus on the wrong things, God. And so today, I speak a blessing over everyone in this place. I declare over them health, prosperity, deliverance. I speak righteousness to overflow in their life. I speak joy to overcome them. I speak peace to overtake them. I speak a life of filled with joy, filled with glory, and everyone knows their place. And we just do it because that's what parts of the body does. We love and appreciate you, Lord. In Jesus' name.